Hey strangers, welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions, to be specific, season two, episode nine. I am your host, Krista. Well, really, I'm the co-host, the real star of the show. No, we're equally co-stars. Is the one and only, <laughs> Kurt. Hi, that's me. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. We have uh, some weird stuff happening in we the do. school tonight. It's our first time being alone alone here. Yeah, because last time Krista like was long, with us, Krista was with us. Last time <laughs> Rhonda was with us. I'm Rhonda. <laughs> yeah, Rhonda was with us. And the time before that, were there people at the school? I can't remember. I, no, I don't think so, but nothing happened. No, it was quiet. And I, just walking in here, we heard a weird noise. Yeah, walking noise. from just the hall, down the hallway to the, to the studio, something. we heard something. And then we heard it again mm-hmm. because I heard the same thing you did. I didn't hear it the no. second time. No, and then when we were in the room here setting up, clear as day, we heard a man say something in the hallway. In the hallway, yep. And it echoed like somebody was in the hallway. We went out there and there's nobody Nothing here. There. There's absolutely nobody here. And when Krista went to the bathroom, I heard what sounded like somebody in the little room outside the studio. And Krista thought she heard me walking around in the hallway and mm-hmm. I never got up from my chair. So it's just weird that after... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we were in the car when we pulled up. We said that it was weird that like it's peaceful here and nothing mm-hmm. strange has happened. And then tonight a bunch of stuff has happened. Yep. We did it. And when we, uh, you know, we get a little, because we're big, brave ghost, you know, ghost now hunters. Now we're all jumpy. Yeah. And when the refrigerator we, we, started and I was like, oh my God. Know, <laughs> because we're so brave, we locked the door outside the studio and then we locked the door to the studio. And Definitely. Krista said after she locked it, it sounded like somebody. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Like rattled it. So I don't know. Because a locked door would definitely stop a ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'd stop a serial killer, Thank maybe. You. Hey, I'm, I'm equally afraid of serial killers. So. <laughs> I'm more afraid of serial killers. Yeah, that's true. Do you have any housekeeping? Not really. What? Is that that weed eater? I hear like a buzzing. That's the refrigerator. No, it's coming from over there. It's coming from your uh, knapsack. I think you left something on in there, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear like a weird... I wonder if I should leave that in the episode. You should. Okay. Now it's gone. No, I hear like a weird... I heard like a... Oh, never mind. I don't know. There is somebody weed eating outside, and there's like people outside. Yeah, and but... we when we were doing our pre-show text testing the microphone and stuff... When we played it back, there's like a weird... Yeah, a noise that we can't A weird identify. noise that we can't explain because <laughs> neither of us were doing anything. We were just sitting here talking to the microphone. So oh, man. strange things are afoot in Batavia tonight. It's a strange day for the strange sessions. <laughs> it's a strange oh, yeah. day for the strange sessions. Um, as far as housekeeping, I don't think we have anything. I do have that news story about the bat oh, yeah. person Did that Barry was seen. Did Barry send that to you? Barry sent it to okay. me, but we'll save that for after okay. the main topic. We have to stick to our 15 minutes. We have to stick to our 15-minute rule. Chit-chat. Should I talk about new strangers? Sure. There's only three this time. Well, what the heck? I Right? It's because we went so long without an episode last time that we had so many more, but this three is exciting, and we'll tell you why in a second. So shout-outs to our new strangers, Andy Thomas Cagle, um, Buddy Sieber, Love that name, buddy. What's up? And da 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 da. Jennifer Metelka. Jennifer Metelka. I hope I pronounced that right. It's exciting because she's our one hundredth stranger. Yay! Thank you, Jennifer. So, yeah. Yeah. I and think... then she commented that she likes, she loves the podcast. So Good. thank you, Jennifer. That's right. We gave her a shout out on 
the yeah, Facebook page. Because so. I was I was waiting because we were hanging on 99 for a while. <laughs> and all of a sudden I saw, oh, we have another member request. That was awesome. So thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for being our 100th stranger. Yeah, it's exciting. Once we're millionaires, we'll give you something. <laughs> if we ever get merchandise made. 100 airs. 100 airs. Yeah, we'll, we'll shoot you out a t-shirt or something when we when we have some to shoot out. Uh, we'd like to give a shout out to Rhonda for joining us last time. Yes. She had a blast. She was an excellent co-host. She was an excellent co-host and she had a blast. And I want to give a personal shout out to my brother, Corey, for letting me use his car to come here today. Yes, thank you. Because Otherwise... there is some bracket underneath mine that is shot. So mm-hmm. it could... it could Brackets generally hold things together. Yeah, so it could collapse <laughs> anytime. And I didn't really want to be on the highway when that Isn't happened. Isn't that car relatively new? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So no I don't warranty? know. No, I think it's out of warranty. Okay. But, uh, you know, when I had my other old car, that's the one I was driving when the axle snapped. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. That that puts a damper on your day. So I kind of don't want this one to collapse. So Corey let me use his car. So thank Thank you, Corey. There would be no show happening without that. Exactly. But what else is new in Krista's world? Uh, More house hunting. More house hunting. We are actually recording this episode... A week after our last episode, because mm-hmm. Krista is going to be in Kansas next for a week. week. Yep. Uh, Which invest- by the time you listen to it, she's going to be, be investigating, doing investigations for the show. <laughs> yeah, I of wish course. that's where we're going. To Haunted Kansas. cemeteries in Kansas. <laughs> sure. But so we're recording it the Thursday before Memorial Day. Yes, a long weekend. I'm so excited. Yeah, I but we'll it. still release the episode. On our usual schedule, and I don't know why I'm talking about this because nobody's going to care. <laughs> they but won't know the difference. <laughs> they won't know the difference anyway. Just know that we recorded off schedule for y'all. We do, and we want to get together to to record some filler episodes for emergencies when we can't. Yeah. Do this. We'll get to that someday. Yep. So house hunting is going. Eh? You know, it's stressful. It's really fun when you're unofficially looking for a house, but as soon as you're like officially looking for a house and the market is crazy right now it's a seller's market so there's not a lot of inventory the second you find a house you like there's an offer on it within a day or two it's it's frustrating so yeah i don't know i just have to tell myself that when the right house is there a murder house yeah we want we want we want krista to get a murder house so we can do investigations there yeah um yeah, we're just, I'm just trusting the process and that the right house will find us or we'll find it or whatever. I hope so. We looked at a, I told Kurt on the way here, we looked at a house out in the country on six acres. And aside from the fact that there was too much lawn, some hillbilly in a monster truck <laughs> tore into the driveway and sat there watching us looking at this house for like 10 seconds before tearing off down some backcountry road. And I was like, yeah, I'm out. Like, Neighbor just coming to say hi. I'm not living next to that dude. Neighbor <laughs> just coming to say howdy. Dead end driveway. No, thank you. <laughs> no hillbillies for me. No. So, yeah. Hopefully this summer we'll be moving, though. I hope so. Yeah. Maybe get another dog. That would be cool. Lucy Lou needs a bud. Yeah. How about you? Anything new and exciting? Not a damn thing. No. It went like immediately from winter <laughs> to like 80 degrees to like sweaty balls humid <laughs> yeah. so it just sucks because i wanted to get out for walks and stuff and i'm like no it's too hot yeah it's supposed to be mid to upper 80s this weekend yeah. at least up by my parents i need a hobby or something i mean basically if besides <laughs> this basically i'm either i'm either hobby. researching for the podcast or i'm playing fortnite on my playstation 4 <laughs> that's Ooh, what's fortnite a video game it's like a huge 
thing right now. What's it? What's it? it, it it's. I haven't played. It's that actually video free. Game it's actually completely free. Did and, you download it? Yes. Okay. And what it is is I don't like multiplayer games. I like playing with myself. Well, Everybody knows that. <laughs> so Great likes playing with them. Yeah. So I hate multiplayer <laughs> games and. Well, I was reading. You, a, you mean co-op games or? No, it's a multiplayer. Because my husband and I love playing video games together, yeah. and they don't make them anymore. But what it is is, it's the free one is a battle royale one, okay. and that's like a that's like the big hot thing right now in video games. But it's free, and what it is is that you have your character, and how it starts is it waits for a hundred people to get on. Okay. So you have a hundred people, and then it starts you. You're on this bus in the air. That's like flying over this huge island, and okay. the island has like little towns on it, and there's like an abandoned drive-in theater, and there's like a big town that has like like skyscrapers and stuff, and it has like a forest area, and you know the buzzer goes off or whatever, and you jump out of the plane and you glide down with a parachute to the ground, and you find weapons, and you're just against everybody else, wow. and. Every couple minutes, a storm thing comes in that encloses a little bit. And then like a minute or two later, it'll enclose more. So it's basically pushing everybody oh my God. that's left to the center of the storm. So it's basically like a fighting game. Yeah, it's basically like everybody says happening. it's basically like the Hunger Games. Oh, sure. You know, in video game form. Can you go explore and find like supplies? You find weapons. weapons. You okay. find weapons. You can find like first aid kits to heal you. And you can find like shields. Mm-hmm. And I, I was reading about it and I'm like, this sounds dumb. This isn't my kind of game. So I downloaded it and I tried it and I'm like, that was okay. And then the next day I played it again and <laughs> I just did what I said I wasn't going to do. And I actually paid $10 to, oh, no. yeah. So That's not bad though. No. And it, it's actually a lot of fun, but these people on there, like part of it is that you build, you, you like have a pickaxe and you're destroying all the like rocks and buildings and stuff to gather material. And then you can really quickly build walls and ramps and stuff. So you can quickly build a a fort for when people are attacking you. And I suck at that. So I don't do that. (laughs) I mean, my, I real, I realize that my purpose on there is is just to, you know, I'd like to find a house somewhere and a weapon. And I sit in front of a door with my shotgun up and wait for somebody to open a door and then I blast, blast them in the face. Them. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I do, but it is strangely you heard addicting. It here, people. That's yeah. what Kurt's strategy is. <laughs> it's, it's strangely addicting and it's a lot of fun and I've hmm. sunk more time into it than I expected. I like, well, you know, I play Skyrim, but it's been a while, yeah. but I, I like games Skyrim like in that forever. where you can just go and explore. Yeah, and, like open world games. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. Um, but I also love like Silent Hill. I love scary games. But that's also like an open world game for the most part. There's places you can't go and yeah. doors that don't unlock and stuff. But games where there's like a puzzle, there's puzzles to figure out, scary stuff. I love that shit. Oh, shoot. I just made this explicit. You did. <laughs> <laughs> you can bleep it out. No. Do you know how to do that? No. I can do it right on here. No. Anyway. Um, but I also, It's just a quick one. I like um, the Hitman games. I like stealth I know you games. like those, and I've, I think I've played one of them. It's kind of fun. I don't know. I just like stealth games. and But my husband and I used to play a lot of, like, Boulder's Gate and, like, um, Champions of Norath, like, where yeah. you're, you have to pick, your, are you going to be a, a, a warrior? Are you going to be an elf, or a yeah. sorcerer, or whatever? Yep. And then you can play together, and that's exploring worlds and building up your armor and all that stuff. We love those games, but they yeah. don't make those games anymore. No, or if and they I do, love, they're I, co-op. Yeah. 
So I'm like, what's he going to do? Get another TV and yeah. like another gaming system and we'll sit in the same room and co-op? Yeah. No, that's stupid. No, my favorite games are role-playing games like Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. Dragon Quest, all those. And yeah. they're just not as good as they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to make everything real-time now instead of... Now yeah, yeah. War games and zombie. <laughs> but yeah, like... pretty much. But yeah, Fortnite, I didn't think I was going to like, but it is strangely addicting. Okay. Hmm. I shut the sound off so I don't hear... You know, 10-year-olds <laughs> calling me a noob and, you know, teabagging me on there and whatnot. Oh, oh. So do so you hear people talking? <laughs> yeah. People are wearing headsets yeah. and stuff? Yeah, because uh, you can do the, you can do the, I always just do the one against everybody else, but you can also do squads where it oh, randomly sure. puts you with three other people for a team of four. Okay. And then you can hear them talking and you can talk back and forth oh, to them cool. to arrange your, yeah, I don't get into those your strategy. No, I just like the, everybody for themselves. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. We'll check it out. So we're going to save our news story for the end. Uh, we'll do our taste test. Yeah. Oh, well, we got kind of a double one because this is uh, when Corey was on the show, we talked about how much I love cucumber drinks. And he asked me if I ever tried lime cucumber Gatorade and I hadn't. And I saw it at Walmart when I was on my way here. So Sweet. I am going to give it a try. Give it a shot. It's going to be good because I love cucumber. Oh, you're taking your ibuprofen. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? He's taking some ecstasy. Oh, that's really good. Is it? That's way more cucumbery than I expected. Hmm. Want to try it? Sure. Oh, it smells like cucumber. It's really cucumbery. I expected it to be... I, I'm proud of you, Gatorade. I expected them to wimp out on that. Oh, that's really it good. Is. It is. It is. I expected mm. them to do a lot more lime and a little cucumber, but they really that's made it cucumbery. And it's really good. That's delicious. Yeah. So that's awesome. And that's not even our taste test. No. That's Are you ready for a delicious. taste test? I think so. You gave me a sneak peek and I'm scared because it looks like some kind of jerky. <laughs> wow. It's funny you said that. Um, cause, because, you know, I've been going, I've got most of the last couple from a place in Green Bay called Fresh Time. Oh, yeah. That's like a Fresh Trader Time Joe's. Market. It's like an organic, you know, healthy kind of place. Mm-hmm. So to try tonight, oh, God, we I'm have, scared. you might have tried these already. Let me see. We have Primal Strips Meatless Vegan Soy Jerky. Ooh, okay, so Bridget, do you remember yes. Bridget recommended us trying vegan jerky? I've never, I don't know if this was the kind she recommended, but. I, I don't think it's going to be horrible. <laughs> I seriously don't. I mean, I have friends that are. Can I take a picture? Yeah, I have friends that are vegan and, you know, we had cookouts at their house with vegan food and it was god awful. And I think they've come a long way with vegetarian food yeah i think for me because i've been i was vegetarian for a really long time trying to find something vegetarian that mimics something meat is difficult yeah to me the whole point of being vegetarian is just eating a lot of vegetables (laughs) and like fruit and beans and nuts. you didn't you weren't looking for a substitute for meat right because you're not gonna find one that you like i think that the products have come a long way from what i've heard but i didn't know bridget suggested this so this it wasn't this brand. Well, I'd have to look. Maybe it was this brand. Oh, is this? That's yours. Okay. So this one is for Bridget. We're going to try this for Bridget. Okay. Yep. It is Primal Strips Meatless Vegan Soy Jerky Hickory Smoked. Non-GMO soy protein. I think it's going to be okay. Okay. I'm just going to take a stab at it and say it's going to be okay. I got to get it open first. I do too because I got lotion on my hands and they're all slippery. Oh. Smell it. Smells like soy. Smells like, smells like soy sauce. Yep. It's, it's very really greasy. It's very greasy. Okay. It looks like it, it looks, looks like, like a piece of meat. It looks like a piece of dog poop that somebody <laughs> stepped on. 
Okay, <laughs> that are is, you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's go. Here we go. Hmm. It's not bad. It has really good flavor. There's something about the texture I don't like. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. I can't really... I'm undecided. I think the flavor is actually really good. I was afraid it'd be really salty because I think soy is really salty. I don't think I would mistake this for actual meat ever. No. But it's... Uh. Hmm. It's really not bad, though. I mean, I would never prefer this over regular jerky. No, but it, I could see if I was a vegetarian eating this. And this is my only alternative. Yeah. Hmm. It's really not bad. It's it got a different taste. There's like a a something that I can't put my finger on. Yeah, it's kind of hiding under the soy. Yeah. Let's see. I like it. Hmm. Yeah, I like it too. It's making my hand unusually greasy. <laughs> it's really greasy. Uh huh. I don't know. It's all non-GMO, no MSG. No, I'm gonna eat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's like the more I eat it, the more I like it. I was gonna say it's growing on me. Yeah. Hmm. This is weird. At first, I was like, I don't know, but now I actually kind of really like it. I need to take a picture of it out of the the um wrapper. With your greasy fingers. With my greasy fingers. Ah. It's not. It's not going to be mistaken for beef jerky, uh-uh. but for what it is, it's pretty good. It's, yeah, it's even like... Yeah, it even like breaks fibrous. apart. Yeah, yeah, it's fibrous like hmm. beef jerky. Not too shabby. It's got a weird little aftertaste. That's what your cucumber <laughs> my drink cucumber. is for. Huh. Well. I am pleasantly surprised. Yes. Pleasantly surprised as well. <laughs> oh, Krista's got, Krista has. <laughs> Krista dropped just dropped the piece down right her cleavage. cleavage. That's that's. I got her, it. I got it. Don't worry. That'll be a prize for one of our lucky fans. <laughs> oh Lord. I like that. I that won me over by yeah. the end of it. It really did. Like it's I said, good. it is not beef jerky. No. It's a slab of something that is beef jerky-ish, but for what it is, it's pretty good. It's a horrible way to describe it. A I know, but I'm, I, that's not, that's because it is, it's a slab of soy, but it's not bad. But no, my fingers good. are like super greasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, paper towel right there. Out of 10. Um, I'd give it like a seven. I'd give it a, I'm going to give it an eight. Because I I like that it is a beef jerky substitute for vegans. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty good. Mm. It wasn't beef jerky good, but it was pretty good. It's even finger looking good. It is. <laughs> so I'm giving, it, I'm giving it an eight. If I'm being honest. So it is time for our main story. Pretty excited about this. Yeah, this one is... A couple people suggested this one. The first one I think that suggested it with was Heather Chambers. She was the one that won our contest. Heather's mm. awesome. And Bridget did too. And then someone, a newer member, brought really? it up right away too. Well, thanks like for... Like the first day that they were on this page, they were like, are you going to do Debt Love Pass? You have to do Debt Love Pass. Yeah. If you've If you've never heard of it, if you're somebody that's into like these weird, yeah, you unexplained mysteries, you had to have heard of it. And if you didn't... <laughs> You're, You're in for a to. treat because it is a really <laughs> fascinating 
story. Weird. Of, and it's unfortunate that we'll be releasing this after Memorial Day because this is a good one to hear right before you go camping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> true. So, yeah. You know what, though? This is camping season. People are going to be camping all summer long. Yes, so. they are. So just keep this in the back of your head when you're camping. <laughs> or a missing 411 episode. One yeah, of those. This kind of, there's, this is kind of like a missing, missing 411 stuff. Okay. I'm ready. I'm so, so you ready? ready? I'm ready to hear you pronounce all these names. Oh my God. I'm going <laughs> to massacre them and that's okay because they're Russian. Yeah. So. That's cool. Uh, We're not expected to know how to speak Russian. I believe it's pronounced Detlov. Yeah, that's that's Because correct, it's D-Y-A-T-L-O-V pass. And here we go. All right. In late 1958, 23-year-old Igor Detlov, a radio engineering student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute in the Soviet Union, decided to put together a group to make a challenging winter hike to the peak of Ortorten, a mountain in the northern Urals. He assembled a group of nine other people for the trip, most of whom were fellow students and friends from the university. The group consisted of eight men and two women, all very experienced grade two hikers, who would be receiving their grade three certification upon their return. I'm digging the ratio of men to women there. The women were cute, too. Sausage fest. The pictures, the women are actually really cute. Not the after pictures, but the before (laughs) pictures, they were like, they were seriously really cute. Um, At the time, this was the highest certification available in the Soviet Union. On January 27th, 1959, the group set off from the village of Vizhai. The following day, one of the hikers, Yuri Yudin, decided to turn back due to knee and joint pain, and the remaining group of nine continued on with the hike. Consider yourself lucky. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna hear <laughs> you're gonna hear more from him from Yuri Yudin too. Probably. Yeah, well, yeah, because <laughs> he he's survived. Yeah. Um <laughs> Diaries and cameras later found around their last campsite made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incident. And this sounds already like a found footage, Uh (laughs) you know, horror movie. 1950s. Yeah. So basically this group went on this hike in winter in, in the Soviet Union where it's pretty cold. And a challenging hike. And a challenging hike. And they were all really experienced. Yeah. They were very experienced hikers. So... On January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began to prepare for climbing. In the nearby woods, they stored some surplus food and equipment that would be used on the trip back. And that's kind of a common thing that, mm-hmm. that you yeah. know, like long distance hikers do. Yeah. Because it beats carrying it. You know, you're going to be using right. it on the way back. The following day, February 1st, the hikers started to move through the pass. It's believed that they planned to get over the pass and make camp the next night on the opposite side, but because of worsening weather conditions, including snowstorms and decreasing visibility, they lost their sense of direction and headed west instead, up towards the top of Kolat Sikkel, another mountain in the region. The mountain's name can be loosely translated to Mountain of the Dead in the tongue of the indigenous Mansi people, but rather than a lot of people make a big thing about that being called Mountain of the Dead... But why it was named that is because the Mansi people named it referring to the fact that the mountain didn't have any game on it for the hunters. Oh. So it was basically a dead mountain for, yeah. for hunting. So I'm curious. They refer to this as the Detloff Pass. What was the actual name of the pass, though? The act, I don't think there was an actual name. Okay. You know, it was it was a, just a pass through that Kolat cycle, whatever okay. the, the, the Russian mountain that they were on. The, so this is really named after the guy who yeah, organized Yeah, this is named the after hike. the guy that organized the hiking party. Okay. 
When the group realized their mistake, they decided to stop and set up camp there on the slope of the mountain. It is not known why they didn't decide to move camp a mile downhill to a forested area that would have provided more shelter from the storm. Do you think they could even see it, though? If they got turned around, I, did they by know By a lot that of accounts, they knew it was there. Okay. Uh, Yuri Yudin, the one that turned back, said that he guessed that Detlov probably did not want to lose the altitude they had gained, or he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. He said that's his guess as to why they camped okay. where they did, as opposed to going down towards the woods. Yeah. Before leaving on the hike, Detlov had agreed he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vizhai. It was expected that this would happen by February 12th or possibly a day or two after. When no word was heard from the hikers by February 20th, the families of the hikers pushed for a search and rescue operation, which was started. And here's where the mystery starts. It gets weird. On February 26th, the search party found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent on Colat Sickle. The search party was immediately puzzled by the campsite. Wait, so was it multiple tents or just one tent? Just one tent. The group had one tent? That's what I, That's what everything I came across said they had one tent. Was it a really big I, tent? It didn't look like a really big tent. That's That, that was all, one of the things that was weird to me is that... They only brought one tent. They only brought one tent. Hmm. I, I suppose in I've the seen 50s, pictures of the tent and maybe the tent looks smaller than it actually was. Okay. But everything I read said one tent. Well, and back then they wouldn't, well, at least in my mind, they wouldn't have like these small little one-person tents that you yeah. can just throw no, into a backpack. No, it would have been a big... Yeah, yeah. canvas style. Yeah. Okay. So the search party was immediately puzzled by the campsite. The student who found the tent said, quote, the tent was half torn down and covered with snow, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. Further investigations had shown that the tent had been cut open from the inside, Eight or nine sets of footprints left by people who were wearing only socks, a single shoe, or were barefoot could be followed, leading down toward the edge of a nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass a mile to the northeast. However, after about 1,600 feet, these tracks became covered with snow. Hmm. So, like, the first weird thing is that the, the cuts on the tent were made from inside, inside of the tent out. Like they were trying to escape yeah. something inside the tent yes. or someone. At the edge of the forest, under a large cedar tree, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire along with the first two bodies, those of Yuri Krivenshenko and Yuri Doroshenko, shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. Is Yuri their first name? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it's a it is a, common It's a seriously a common name in Russia. <laughs> okay. The bodies appeared to have been carefully laid side by side in the shallow snow. So it's like they took off and then went and built a fire somewhere? Yeah. Okay. They went to build a fire under the cedar tree. Okay. And when they came upon it, they found these two men laying Lying. there dead okay. in their underwear. <sighs> Both men appeared to have badly damaged hands. The branches on the cedar tree were broken up to 16 feet high, suggesting that one or both of the men had frantically climbed the tree to look for something or to get away from something. There are conflicting reports that human skin and blood was found still lodged in the bark's crevices. Okay. And there's no animals, though, on this mountain, right? There might be. That's why be. it's called Dead I mean, mountain. I'm sure that there's animals that, that go there from time to time. I mean, there's got to be. In a line between the cedar tree and the tent, the searchers found three more bodies. Igor Detlov, Zenata Kolmogrova, and Rustam Slobodin appeared to have died in poses, suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. They were found separately in a line between the tree and the tent. 
So one of them was like here and then up ahead a little more towards the tent. Another one was, and then up near towards the tent, another one was. Hmm. More than two months later, the bodies of the remaining four hikers were found. The corpses of Alexander Zolotarov, Ludmila Dubanina, Alexander Kolvatov, and Nikolai Theobo Brignols were found under several feet of snow in a ravine in the woods, 200 feet away from the cedar tree. The ravine they were in was 15 to 17 feet deep, and the hikers appeared to have built a den in the snow, and cedar branches had been brought to the den and laid out as to minimize contact with the snow. Zolotroyov was wearing the fur coat and hat that had belonged to Ludmila Dubinia, while Dubinina's feet were wrapped in a piece of Korvashenko's wool trousers. So, so basically, it sounds like they, when, some, when one of them are dying, one of them is taking that person's yeah, clothing to try, to stay, to, try to stay warm. And they believe that that's what happened to the, why the two under the tree were in their underwear is because people took theirs took, after they died. But there were also reports that there was other clothing scattered around the, the two guys that were underneath the tree, which makes no sense. And it sounds like they weren't that far from the tent. No. Why didn't they nope. just go back and get That's their stuff? That's what we'll talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. why did they about. flee the tent in the first yeah. place? I keep screwing up Ludmilla Dubanina. I feel like you're doing a really good job with well, the thanks. names. Medical tests done on the first five bodies found no injuries, which may have led to their death, so it was eventually concluded that they had died of hypothermia. Slobodin had a small crack in his skull, but it was not believed to have been a fatal wound. The examination of the four bodies which were found later in the ravine was much more puzzling, however. Three of those hikers had fatal injuries. Thibodeau Brignols had extensive skull damage, and both Dubanina and Zolotroyov had major chest fractures. These are the ones that were in, in the, the... In the ravine. ravine. In okay. the, yeah. Do you think they fell down there? They had, those two had major chest fractures. According to Dr. Boris Vozardeni, the force required to cause such damage would have been comparable to the force of a car crash. Oh, my God. The bodies had no external wounds related to the bone fractures, though. What? It was almost as if they had been subjected to some sort of high level of pressure. Major external injuries were found on Dubanina, however. Her head was tilted back, her mouth stretched wide as if she died screaming. Upon closer inspection, the rescuers realized that her tongue had been ripped out by the roots. Come on. Her eyes, part of her lips, as well as facial tissue and a fragment of skull bone were also missing. People often theorize that these injuries could have happened in a fall into the ravine, but the snow den still shows that they were all active, so they didn't get injured into the fall in the ravine. How would your tongue get ripped out of your head falling down a hill? We'll talk about that. <laughs> also puzzling is that the bodies were found outside the snow den, not inside the snow den. Was there, well, so everybody was accounted for yes. in the end. Okay. Ex- the only one that wasn't there was the Yuri the that, that, got... that left. Yeah. Although the temperature was very low, around 20 below zero Fahrenheit with the storm blowing, the dead were only partially dressed. Some of them had only one shoe, while others had no shoes or wore only socks. So missing 411. Some were found wrapped in snips of ripped clothing that appeared to have been cut from those who were possibly already dead. Journalists reporting on the available parts of the inquest files claim that it states the following. Six of the group members died of hypothermia and three died of fatal injuries. There were no indications of any other people nearby on Colot Sickle except the nine travelers. The tent had been ripped open from within. The victims had died six to eight hours after their last meal. To dispel the theory of an attack by the indigenous Mansi people, Dr. Boris Vorzadorny, <laughs> <so whatever. laughs> Dr. Boris. Yeah, say it again for sure. 
<laughs> Dr. Boris Vazadreni stated that the fatal injuries of the three bodies could not have been caused by another human being, quote, because the force of the blows had been way too strong and no soft tissue had been damaged. Released documents contained no information about the condition of the skier's internal organs, and there were no survivors of the incident. By some accounts, at least one of the victim's clothing showed an unusually high level of radiation. Yeah. That's so bizarre. Yuri Krivonoshenko was found to have skin in his mouth that came from the back of his hand. Yuri Doshenko had gray foam covering his mouth and part of his right cheek, suggesting that perhaps prior to his death, someone or something had pressed with great force on his chest cavity. At the time, the official verdict was that the group members all died because of a, quote, compelling natural force. That was the official explanation of their Seriously? death. Was a, yeah, it was a compelling natural force. And it's like everybody's like, what the hell does that mean? I have no you know, idea. But that was the official cause of death, compelling natural force. The inquest officially ceased in May 1959 as a result of the absence of a guilty party. The files were sent to a secret archive, and the photocopies of the case files became available only in the 1990s, although some parts were missing. Investigators came to the conclusion that sometime after 7 o'clock p.m., the team ate a meal, and not long thereafter, members began to settle down for the night. The temperature on the slope was less than 5 degrees Fahrenheit, which has always made investigators wonder why it was that so many of the skiers were in a state of undress in the tent. Forensic pathologists later estimated that the events which led to the untimely deaths of the hikers must have occurred somewhere between 9.30 and 11.30 p.m. They based the speculation on the undigested food found in the stomachs of the victims. The investigators' best guess is that something caused them to quickly flee the tent. Footprints show the team had initially scrambled outwards in all directions, but that they managed to rejoin one another down the incline about 900 feet away from the now shredded tent. And there's differing accounts of the footprints. Some of the accounts I read said that the footprints were like orderly, like they weren't running, like mm-hmm. they just up and walked out of the tent. Okay. Yeah, you th- I'm sure you could tell that by how far apart they are. I yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I have so many theories going through my head right now. Yeah, and there's a ton of theories. Okay. So, you know, by from what it sounds like, and this is just me saying this, something happened. They sliced the tent open, ran out of the tent scrambled around and then they met up 900 feet was it that they said away from the tent they went down to the cedar tree and somebody or some more than one of them climbed the tree to possibly look back at the tent to see what was going on and they started a fire and it Mm -hmm. sounds like three of them like two of them died by the cedar tree and three of them tried to walk back to the tent but died from what? Each of them dying from hypothermia walking back to the tent. And for some reason, the four others went into the woods and died in the ravine. In the ravine. So... My qu- and of course, the big mystery is, is what happened in the tent. Exactly. Exactly. So I think I basically have 11 theories here. Okay, I'm and ready. The first one, and this is one that you're going to see a lot, and a lot of people think that this is the answer is that they say it was an avalanche but it, wouldn't there be yeah the tent an be avalanche completely... would explain some of the injuries on the victims <coughs> and the why tent the tent was maybe that's why they said it was cut open from maybe they couldn't get out the front of the tent so they had to slice the tent open in order to get out and people say that maybe was it completely buried though no it, it wasn't buried at all and people say that maybe uh, the wind 
blew away whatever snow the avalanche had covered. I know. I, I, I don't. I don't that. buy the avalanche theory. Uh, modern like analysis shows that the area where they camped was not likely to have been affected by an avalanche. Plus, the footprints leading away from the tent seem to suggest that the hikers weren't badly injured when they left the tent. And I don't think there'd be footprints no, if there was exactly. an avalanche. Also, some items seen standing at the campsite are still seen standing in photos that the searchers took, like before and after yeah, pictures. That's not there, I can't remember what it was, but there was something like placed in the snow in one of the pictures. And then the after picture, you can see the thing is still placed in the snow where an avalanche would have knocked it over. I'm immediately rejecting this theory. Yeah. I don't like it. You know, possibly one of the theories was that a jet flew over and they mistakenly thought it was a sound of an approaching avalanche. But like people say that they're experienced hikers. They're not going to, they're not going to freak out at the sound of a jet thinking that it's an avalanche and they're not going <laughs> to slice their tent open. I feel like that's a really distinct sound. Yeah. A plane. Yep. And more than a hundred expeditions to the region have been held since this event took place. I and like, wait, none of them had ever reported conditions that might even slightly create an avalanche in this location. I feel like the plane theory would be so easy to debunk because all you'd have to ask is, was there a flight path that goes yeah. over, you know? Yeah. Planes don't just fly willy-nilly. Yeah, but they weren't, they weren't real. We'll get into this well, later. In a, in we'll, get the, we'll get into this later in another theory, but it's believed that there's a military base near there. Oh, okay. So it's possible that there was they a just jet, do the but hell they like, want. People, like some people said, what experienced hiker is going to mistake the sound of a jet flying over as an uh, approaching What person avalanche. who's been around a plane ever would mistake a plane for an avalanche? I don't know. I don't think hiking even has anything to do with it. I think a human being who's seen yeah. a plane in the sky knows what a plane in the but sky yeah, is. But yeah, the whole idea that it was an avalanche that buried them and the winds blew the snow, <laughs> it kind of doesn't. Grass I no. don't buy the avalanche theory. Or the plane theory. Or, or the plane theory, that they mistakenly thought a, a passing jet was a avalanche so so the official cause of death though is hypothermia for everybody right no hypothermia was the official cause of death for six of them okay but the other three died one from the skull fractures and the other two from the chest pressure pressure that it said i think it said that it literally exploded their rib cage so it was yeah wow so that's the avalanche theory okay theory number two they were killed by the mansi the indigenous tribe yeah wouldn't there be footprints from them? The Mansi are a local indigenous tribe that lives in the area, and there was a Mansi encampment to the northeast of the pass, and a Mansi trail did lead past the Detlovs group camp. The theory that people say is that the Mansi disliked the hikers from coming onto what they saw as their property, but the truth is that the Mansi really didn't care. During the investigation, uh, the Mansi actually volunteered and helped with the search. Uh, there were a lot of them that actually helped with the search and rescue. During the search and rescue, one of the Mansi said, quote, everybody comes to this mountain, Russian men, Russian women, Mansi, there is no special prohibition to hike the mountain. Well, and I think the evidence and the injuries would be completely different. Yeah. Why would two people die from hypothermia? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to steal your clothes and watch you slowly die out of hypothermia. Yep. That doesn't make any sense. Yep. So uh, some people think that they were killed by the Mansi. Yeah, I, I don't. Like it. No, especially since that they actually helped, volunteered to help. It's not like, yeah. you know. That they volunteered to help with the search and rescue. Right. Number three, shrooms. So I had a similar theory. Yeah. F- Fly agaric, otherwise known as Amanita muscara, is a mushroom that has serious hallucinogenic properties and is toxic. It's 
it, I think it's red and has white dots. And I saw a picture of it. it reminded me of the mushrooms in Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, like the giant mushrooms. Yeah. And uh, a little interesting side note. Uh, some of the locals, one way to remove the fatal toxins from the mushrooms was to feed the mushrooms to reindeer who would get extremely high from them and then pee, their digestive systems having filtered out most of the toxins, making the reindeer urine safe for humans to drink to get a safer high. Okay. So well, we will not be doing that taste test on that. We're not going to be no. drinking reindeer urine on the show, but that was one of the things that the local people did was they fed the the hallucinogenic mushrooms to reindeer and then drank the reindeer pee. So don't they have weed in They this need area? Gatorade or something. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's much easier ways uh, to get high. One of the one of the theories is that one or some or all of the hiking party knowingly or unknowingly ate some of these mushrooms and freaked out. How would you unknowingly eat them unless somebody like put them in your food intentionally? Unless you maybe thought that they were safe to eat and I feel like experienced hikers would know exactly. not to eat exactly. the <laughs> eat the weird mushrooms on the mountain. Mushroom. Yeah. Uh some people uh, speculate that a, I don't know if it was the Mansi or another local tribe might have eaten these in a ceremony and went on like a killing spree high on the mushrooms and that they repeatedly jumped on some of the hikers' chests to kill them. There would have been injuries though. There would have been more injuries than, than there were. It would have been were. bruising. But that is one of the theories is that they had hallucinogenic mushrooms, freaked out and... Did they do toxicology type tests? I believe so, but this was the Soviet Union in the 50s. Well, they weren't real. I mean, I've seen autopsy reports and stuff, and I didn't see anything that... Well, they're not looking for mushroom. Yeah. They're looking for synthetic or or the things that yeah. commonly you could test for, like marijuana. There was one, there's one strange Alcohol. thing about some of the autopsy reports, but I'll get to that at a later theory. Okay. So that is theory number three, high on shrooms, tripping balls. Don't like it. Don't like it either. Theory number four, gulag escapees. This theory says that there may have been an escape of prisoners from a nearby gulag and the hikers were mistaken as the escapees and killed. But <laughs> you would assume they'd sense. be shot or right. or something. Not, you know, some None of, of it, the injuries no. make sense with any of these. Nope. And there were, uh, they looked and there were no reports of escapes from gulags at the time. Okay. So, but that is a theory that some people think gulag escapees. I just like the word gulag. I do too. <laughs> I don't ever want to be in a gulag. No. I like saying it though, gulag. Yeah. Theory number five, infrasound slash sound. And this is kind of like harp with the extremely low frequencies. Okay. A researcher named Donnie Eichar spent five years researching the incident and actually undertook the dangerous trek himself, believes that a wind phenomenon called a Carmen Vortex Street could have been responsible. In his theory, the tent was accidentally placed in a perfect position where wind would whip around the bowl-like pass, possibly producing a low-frequency powerful sound, which is proven to terrify and induce irrational fear in humans, or there was a loud sound that scared the hikers. Uh, The wind, with the way that the pass is situated, the wind could be twisted into a series of small but powerful tornadoes, which would tear down either side of the pass. The tornadoes would have created a deafening noise, missing the tents, but scaring the crap out of the hikers inside the tents, causing them to flee. Uh, Could it injure them that way? um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I just think that 
you know, the thing with extremely low frequencies, we've talked about this mm-hmm. in the harp episode and I think even in other episodes, it can create a feeling of uneasiness, but so I don't like think it EMF. can create such a feeling of uneasiness. You're going to slice your way out of your tent all freaked out. You know, right. I, I just can't see extremely low frequencies causing that kind of, no. you know, mental condition. Mm-mm. And as far as the loud sounds, I can't see them slicing their way out of their tent. That The slicing their way out of the tent rather than reaching over and zipping, unzipping it and going <laughs> right. out the front door makes no sense. I feel like it would take you longer to slice your tent Exactly. Open. Exactly. So that is another one of the theories. Mm. Not a fan of that one. No. Theory number six is also kind of a big one that you see a lot, and that theory is KGB agents. <laughs> Alexei Rakuten, author of the book Detloff Pass, theorizes that Alexander Zolotroyov, Alexander Kolvatov, and or Yuri Krovoshenko were actually KGB agents sent on a mission to covertly meet up with a group of CIA agents, deliver radioactive samples while taking secret photographs of the Americans. But something went wrong. The CIA agents found out that they were taking their photographs and the CIA agents killed the entire group. The rest of the group was probably unaware of the real purpose of their journey. Alexander Zolotroyov is the main contender for KGB spy. He was a 37-year-old bachelor and joined the group at the last minute. He was a veteran with years of combat experience who fought for the NKVD. I'm not sure what that is. Okay. And, he, and you're going to see this a couple times if you research this. He also bore an enigmatic tattoo, the letters D-A-E-R-M-M-U-A-Z-U-A-Y-A, <laughs> That has absolutely no known translation. Nobody knows what that tattoo means. There's absolutely nothing that makes any sense. He it, al- it's not even a word, no, right? No, no. So but nobody knows what that means. So it's like a really long acronym. <laughs> I t- apparently. He also was found with a camera on his body, which Yuri Yedin stated was not known to the group. It's also known that at least one camera that the group was using later went missing. So there's a lot of stuff with the camera that wasn't supposed to be there, but was there. And there was a camera that was supposed to be there that wasn't there. Well, I feel like that's like no big deal. So I have a camera in my bag. I just haven't taken it out yet. Uh, One of the other members, Alexander Kolvatov, had previously worked in Moscow as a laboratory assistant in a top secret scientific facility. And Yuri Krovoshenko worked in the nuclear plant Mayak where a massive nuclear disaster, second in severity only to Chernobyl, occurred in 1957. But friends and family of the hikers strongly refute that they were KGB agents or anything like that. And people that are puzzled by the radioactive clothing think that maybe Kolvatov, who had worked in a a nuclear plant, might have been the one that had the radioactive clothing, which kind of makes sense. There's a lot of uh, differing reports about the radioactive clothing. Some of it says it was radioactive, but like really, really lightly radioactive. Mm-hmm. And some of it, some of the reports say that it was like extremely radioactive. <laughs> well, that's I tend to go with not quite as radioactive. I mean, I guess that would explain that he just worked in a place that had radioactive materials. Maybe yeah. it was trace amounts. Yep. But there are some people that think that these three guys or one of these three guys were working for the KGB. Okay. Still and doesn't explain the injuries on half of the people. Though. No. No, exactly. (laughs) But that is another theory, KGB agents. I think my issue is that nothing is explaining the particular injuries that happened. Nope. Or lack of injuries. Theory number seven, the stove. (laughs) 
they actually had a stove in the tent, was a completely unique and homemade design that the leader of the group had built himself. We know that they had used the stove on the night of the incident before it took place as partially eaten pieces of fried ham and bacon were found inside the tent. It's possible that after disassembling the stove and removing the exhaust pipe, the embers inside the stove accidentally reignited, and since the exhaust pipe had been removed, the smoke would have filled the tent immediately. As they attempted to get control of the flame, they cut a few holes in the top of the tent to vent the smoke. When that didn't work, they tore the side of the tent and slashed it open to escape. But people say, why a mile away from the tent? You know, I could right. see I could see them gathering outside the tent. Yeah. Especially, it would explain why they didn't grab all their yeah their clothing. But you wouldn't just run and keep. You running. wouldn't run a mile away from the tent. I mean, that's what from some smoke. Yeah. Do you it, think that their their lungs would show smoke damage? Yeah, too? you would think that it would have. Hmm. And so would their belongings. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. But other people say, why not stay near the tent? Wait for it to, to air to out, air out and, and then patch call it, up. it a day yeah <laughs> yeah why run a mile away that's not very logical so that's the stove theory even fumes given off you know carbon monoxide or something yeah. that one that would make you tired and fall asleep it yeah. wouldn't make but you i mean if the tent is filling with smoke you're gonna want to get out of there sure but and i understand poking holes in the tent but yeah. why wouldn't you just open just like the, open, the open the flap and, and leave yeah and I that's why like all of these theories there's things that make it doesn't explain. It no. explains getting out of the tent. It doesn't yeah. explain anything else. Yep. Theory number eight, ball lightning and lightning. Okay. It's theorized that the gloop, the gloop, <laughs> it's theorized that the group fled from the tent due to an occurrence of ball lightning getting very close to the tent and hovering nearby it. The Wasn't group, it a snowstorm? Yeah, but yeah. it is there. It, it, there it does happen. Yeah. We had them here this year. Uh, it's believed that the group then hurried to the tree line a mile away and lit a, f- lit a fire while they waited for the lightning to disappear. The theory is then that the two deaths at the cedar tree and the damage to the tree was caused by a lightning strike. I was going to say, isn't hanging out under a tree like yeah. the last thing yeah. you're supposed to do? Okay. But that explains why the branches might have been broken is because it was struck by lightning, and which killed the two people that were at the fire underneath the tree. Again, I feel like experienced hikers yeah. would understand weather yep. patterns and yeah. how to... And what are the odds? And then this next one... I've never seen ball lightning. So the lightning hit the two guys that were underneath the tree. Were they, they would have had burns. And then it's theorized that either that lightning bolt or a lightning bolt that happened immediately after it struck a substantial quantity of stream water, snow, and ice, creating an explosion that threw the remaining hikers dozens of feet away, (laughs) resulting in blunt force injuries similar to a car accident. Nope. (laughs) This theory suggests that the three surviving members died in two groups. Rustam Slobodin was injured and urgently had to be returned to the tent, assisted by Zaneda Komagova. Due to snowdrifts and high winds, he collapsed on the journey, and Zaneda also further on, collapsed further on due to the same exhaustion from the effort of assisting him. Igor Detlov remained at the, with the Ravine 4, but then decided to try to get back to the tent also, and then he died on the way to the tent. So, Did they die from hypothermia? No, the ones that were in the Ravine died. On the way died, back to the tent. The ones that were on the way back to the tent were said to have died from hypothermia. Okay. But... How long how long does hypothermia take to set in? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Hmm. But were they all like naked? No. The two under no, the tree, the two were, under the tree were in their underwear and the other ones were wrapped in various clothing from the other people. Okay. 
But they were shoe. A lot of them were shoeless. Only had one yeah. shoe. Okay. I say no to the ball lightning. I don't buy the ball lightning <laughs> thing either because that's kind of like a huge. That is some sour luck if that's how it happened. Was it was the ball lightning hovering around the tent and then a lightning bolt hitting the guys underneath the tree and then another lightning bolt causing an explosion which blew the remaining members that's into ridiculous. the ravine. They'd have burn marks. Number one. Yeah. I no. Nope. Nope. So now we get to the big three theories i should have actually included these avalanche because avalanche is a, one of the big is theories. one of the big ones but these are these last three are kind of the big ones number nine the russian yeti okay one of the more prevalent theories <laughs> right away, i'm like yep <laughs> <laughs> one of the more prevalent theories involves a yeti coming across the group frightening them out of the tent and brutally killing them including ripping out one's tongue the severity of the injuries and the doctors claim that they could not have been caused by another human are said to prove this theory. I'm nodding my head because I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a Yeti, especially a Russian Yeti now, yeah. this is just me, but isn't aren't they white? Don't they usually have white I fur? don't know. I don't know. It would make sense if they <laughs> lived would. in the um, mountains. A couple things that go along with this theory are... you know, Number one, the severity of the injuries and the doctors claim that it couldn't have been caused by another human. Number two, the bodies found in the woods seem to be huddled together as if hiding from something. And the third one is a photo. And this, it's, I'm going to have these, by the time you listen to this, I will have them up on the strange, I'll probably put them in both the strange strangers, sessions yeah. and the strangers because you're going to need to look at these three Maybe photos. On Instagram too. Yeah. So there's going to be three, there's three photos that are kind of weird. I totally just heard a voice. Really? Yeah. Should we go look? Yeah. Okay. Be right back. It sounded like an echo of your voice, but we're in a small little room that doesn't echo. Uh, we're back, and <laughs> nobody is in the building, but Krista okay. swears she heard a female voice. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. What okay. were we saying? <laughs> oh, the pictures. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. there's three pictures that people use to say something strange was going on. So this first one, this one with the Yeti, this is one that I talked to you, you about. Show me this? No, yeah, this okay. is the one that I talked to you about before we started the podcast. I don't think it's a Yeti. But there's something about this picture that I think is creepy. Okay. It's just if this wouldn't, even if this would have, even if they would have came out of the hike, fine. I would have saw this picture and thought it was creepy. Okay. So who, where was it found in their film? Yes, it was okay. found in their film. They have a lot of Those pictures. You can find a lot of pictures online, but that would be cool. To look warning: at. you're going to find a lot of pictures of what they look like after they died. Okay. So this first one is the picture that people say is a Yeti. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready for the Yeti. Other people say that this was part of the tribe that killed them. But this, this is the weird picture. I'm going to show Krista on my computer. You guys should have this picture in the group by now that you can look at. So that's the first picture. Oh, my God. Isn't that a creepy picture? I mean, even people say they think it's just one of the... It could be. It's one of the hikers, but it's still like a really ominous, creepy picture to me. It's it's such a classic Bigfoot pose. It is. But it is. I don't see... It doesn't, you know... 
It doesn't look massive. It no. doesn't look... To me, it looks like one usually of... Usually they have huge, broad shoulders and long arms. Yeah. And that just looks like a person far away. But it's, it's just creepy. It's a very creepy picture. Because it's out of focus. It's out of focus. And the person is standing like In they're the caught. Distance. Like you just caught them. Right. Coming around a tree. That's weird. So it's a creepy picture. But a lot of people say that they think that this is a picture of the Yeti or creature that killed them or a possible hunter from one of these tribes that killed them. At first glance, I could see yeah. Bigfoot, yeah. Yeti, whatever. But looking at it closer, I think it's just a person. But it's a weird picture. It is weird. It's <laughs> anyway. creepy. It's black and white, and it's the person's mostly in shadow almost. So Yeah. Okay. But many people claim that in that picture in the background is whatever was stalking the group, and they think that killed the group. Okay. Also, uh, going along with the Yeti theory, is the newspaper. There's evidence that a, a spoof newspaper, think of like The Onion, like sure. a, a spoof newspaper called the Otorton Evening News was found in the group's tent. It is believed to have been created by the hikers themselves for fun. Hmm. Reports say that when the newspaper in the tent was discovered, the words, quote, from now on we know the snowmen exist, had been written on it in big letters. Which is hmm. weird, you know. Yeah, that does make you think of either Yeti yeah. or the tribes. But as stated in the 14 Times, February 2009, quote, in their newspaper, The Evening or Torton, the students had written in large letters, from now on we know that the snowmen exist. Perhaps we shouldn't read too much into this, because it goes on to say, they can be met in the northern Urals next to Ortorton Mountain. Given the humorous tone of the newspaper, it's quite likely that the students were jokingly referring to themselves as the snowmen hmm. rather than as a sighting of a Yeti-like creature. Or they were just making up a story. Yeah, but it's still kind of weird. It's an, yeah, it's interesting. Yep. I think if your theory is Yeti, you would instantly grab yeah. onto that. And... It's It was known that some kind of spoof newspaper was found in the investigation and people saw that it said this, you know, from now on we know that the snowmen exist. But you're going to read into that what you want. <laughs> but after the investigation, it disappeared and nobody knows what happened to the newspaper. Hmm. So that's kind of weird. Sure. Not saying I buy the Yeti argument, but yeah. So I don't know. That's the Yeti. That's okay. I. That's kind of a big one. I, of course, like whole, the whole Bigfoot thing and I'm fascinated by that. So I like the theory. And I think it something, a creature like that could cause the, some damage. Of the damage. It could cause the physical damage yeah. that they found on the bodies. Mm -hmm. And would scare the bejesus yep. out of you enough to make you want to cut your way out of your tent and run for the hills. Yeah. Yep. And be afraid to go back to your tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they think that maybe that's what they were climbing the tree to see if this creature was still, mm -hmm. you know. You don't think they were trying to get firewood? They Although had, fresh yeah, branches one of the don't things, burn. One of the things that people said that there was a lot of available firewood lower in the tree that they didn't bust off. So why did they climb the tree? Well, and fresh branches don't burn while you want dry wood. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. But if that's your yep. only option, you're going to try. Yeah. There are a lot of reports that some of their their skin fragments and stuff were found in up high in the tree. Like they were frantically climbing the tree. Yeah, I could see that as yep. either an escape method or a lookout. Yep. Okay. So that's the Yeti theory. Finally, a theory I can get behind. Theory number 10. What do you think? It's got to come up in theories. Aliens? Aliens. <laughs> theory number 10, UFOs. Okay. Lev Ivanov, a man who was in charge of the Detloff Pass investigations, stated in the early 1990s in an interview to a local journalist 
that during his investigation, he and another investigator both noticed that the pine trees in the forest were strangely burned. He said, quote, When E.P. Maslenikov and I examined the scene in May, we found that some young pine trees at the edge of the forest had burn marks, but those marks did not have a concentric form or any other pattern. There was like no, ep- there was no epicenter. Okay. This once again confirmed that heated beams of a strong but completely unknown to us energy were directing their firepower towards specific objects, in this case people, acting selectively. Okay. Ivanov also claims that a member of the Soviet Congress forced Ivanov to take out any references to unknown flying objects or other strange phenomena, including pictures of flying spheres drawn by the Mansi hunters and other testimonies. Hmm. There were several reports of strange lights in the sky that night in the area. Several geologists and tourists from the Blinlov group, uh, who actually traveled with the, the Detlov hikers part of the way, saw glowing and pulsating orbs flying in the direction of Kolat Sickle, Detlov Pass, on the day of the tragedy. Their testimonies were ignored. In early April, uh, an investigator gathered several testimonies of local soldiers who claimed to have seen UFOs over Detlov Pass in the end of, at, towards the end of February. They all described slow-moving orbs that were moving from south to north in a strange cloud of dust or a fog. This event was witnessed for 5 to 15 minutes by different soldiers at considerable distance away from each other. So that's kind of strange. I almost feel like that all sounds like ball lightning. The burns on the trees, people seeing weird flashing orbs moving around. I don't think, I think the orbs don't, I think the orbs sound strange. Or like the flying things that they're seeing don't sound like ball ball lightning. lightning. It is a thing, right? Ball lightning happens? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Rescue party that was sent to discover bodies of the Detlov group also witnessed these pulsating lights several times. Valentin Yakomenko, who volunteered to join the group, described these events. Quote, It happened early in the morning while it was still dark. Viktor Meshiyarakov, who stood guard that night, left the tent and saw a large glowing sphere in the sky. He woke everyone up. We watched this orb, or disc, for about 20 minutes until it didn't disappear behind the mountain. We saw it in the southeast direction from our tent. It was moving in a northern direction. This event freaked everyone out. We were sure that this event was somehow involved in the death of the Detlov group. Hmm. I mean, sure. Mm -hmm. I always like aliens as a theory. So that brings us to the next two photos. Oh, boy. When you look up stuff about Detlov Pass, this is the photo that shows up a lot as being a weird, mysterious photo. So they found this photo on Yuri Krovoshenko's camera, which was inside the tent, appearing to have been quickly attached to a homemade tripod shooting at the doorway of the tent. In the last moments of their stay in the tent, it seems like this group deliberately mounted the camera on the tripod and took this picture. And this is the picture, and nobody knows what it is, but there are a lot of reports that people think that this is either a photo of the strange lights they saw a photo of a ufo but there's a lot of people that think the light there's like a light in the middle of the picture that looks like an orb like a ghost hunting orb but there's a light on the side and a lot of people say to them that almost looks like a face like a alien face or some kind of weird face and they think that that might have been a face that was coming through the doorway of the tent causing them to freak the hell out freak the hell out I can kind of see what they're talking about, that face. I mean, to me, that just looks like... A dust orb or something yeah, like that. or snow. Yeah. So I remember growing up, I don't see a face. 
I can I I can see what they're seeing as a face. Like it's a blurry, like kind of alien esque alien esque face. So I can see what they're saying. Sure. But there's a lot of people that think that this photo was damaged when they developed it. Yeah. So well, and that so the one that I said looks like snow. I remember my dad was kind of an amateur photographer growing when I was growing up, and there was a picture of my parents' house. He was standing out on the road during a snowstorm taking a picture and the flakes that were really close to his camera ended up being like these huge blurry but sort of solid hexagons it's the coolest but also picture that ever, but it looks just but like also that. that it was taken inside the tent and there shouldn't have so been that snow was in, uh. that was inside the tent facing the doorway of the tent mm-hmm. people say they can see like a weird face in that one light or they say it. that that is them somebody holding the door of the tent open taking a picture of whatever lit object was outside the tent that freaked them out hmm. or that they say that this could possibly have been a UFO, but it was on the tripod in a tent. So I don't but know. It was but inside the tent? Yeah, but you're going to see, if you look up, if you research this, there's a lot of stuff. You're going to watch a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of people say that this is a really mysterious photograph that a lot of people say proves that it was a UFO or something really? like that. Hmm. Yep. I don't really see anything compelling about it. And there's this next picture, which I think is weird, but this picture showed up in one of their cameras. And here, people said it's like a weird light off to the side, like a really bright light. And people think that the dark figures at the bottom are three heads of the hikers looking at this light. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a weird photo. I think this photo is weirder than the last one. What's What's weird about this is you can't tell if they're inside, if they're outside, if... No, people like, theorize they're outside they? because if they're standing looking at this light source, that they're outside the tent standing and this is somebody taking well, a picture that, of... Light source were inside, it would have lit up the... In, lit, oh my lit, God. It would wow. have lit up the inside <laughs> of the tent. Yeah. No, they so believe that be th- this one was outside the tent, but... Okay. People say it. You can see that there's a light source off to the really bright, light a source. really bright light source, and they think that the figures on the bottom are heads of three of the hikers looking at this light source, and they yeah. they use that to say a it's UFO. What it looks like yeah, and it's a weird picture. So mm-hmm. these pictures are available on our Facebook group. So is there a place where you can see all the pictures that were taken from the? There's got to be, but there's there's tons of pictures online. But what sucks is that. There's been really cheap, badly made horror movies based mm-hmm. on Detlov Pass, and people have taken some of those pictures oh. that showed up in those horror movies. Like, there's there's some close-ups of people dead in the snow looking like they were frightened, and those are from the movies. Those aren't oh, actually the really? Detlov. Okay. I mean, when you look up stuff for the Detlov Pass pictures, you're going to find pictures of the bodies in the snow. Right, but real photos. But it, it's mixed up with other photos. Yeah. So these That's three. That's a good idea. Somebody needs to make a good movie about yeah, this. Yeah, these three are are known photos that were like a found footage movie yeah, of this. Yep. That would be so good. Yep. Let's do it. So and and the other pictures are them looking all like this is the one that I'm going to use for our Facebook teaser for it. Um, you know the other pictures are them just looking like they're having fun and you know like kind of cute pictures of them hiking. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird to see. 
them and and to know and then to see the pictures of them dead with their noses eaten off and all that stuff so well, it's and, just really bizarre and the quality of the, that is so much better than those yeah. other photos yeah but they think that the other cameras were damaged because they were laying out in the snow yeah. getting water yeah the film could have been yeah the film could have been so what we're seeing in there might not even actually have been there right on the photos but those are those are three photos that people say proves that there was something hmm. not of this world going on there okay and the I'm last open. the last theory is uh, spoiler this is the one that I believe okay is military testing hmm. one of the most prevalent theories is that the expedition stumbled across secret military testing of some sort whether it's rockets chemical weapons or experimental weaponry that either exploded and caused the injuries from force or could have disoriented them scared them sufficiently to induce panic or they saw something they weren't supposed to see and were killed because of it the hiker that turned back, Yuri Yudin, was a believer of this theory, who saw evidence among the recorded possessions that there were items of clothing that he didn't think belonged to the group, especially an item called an abmotki, or a soldier's putty. It's a long, thin strip of linen used by Soviet soldiers to secure their boots. Wasn't one of them a former soldier? In, in one of the, in, in NKVD, whatever that is. Okay. But uh, this Yuri Yudin said none of them had that. How do you know, though? I don't know. I, mean, I don't you know. You can't claim to know what somebody has in their backpack. They, they just haven't taken out yet. But yeah, this putty thing was a strip of linen used by Soviet soldiers to secure their boots. Nobody in the party was believed to have them. Two of them were discovered on Detlov Pass. One was found near a tree, while another one was discovered near the tent. Yuri Yudin, in his interview about the Detlov Pass incident in October 2012, said this. But among all the junk, only one thing was foreign, a soldier's putty. I immediately pointed it out to Ivanov, but he, I have seen for some reason, did not record it in his notes. In fact, there were two discovered at Detlov Pass. One was found near a cedar tree. The other one was found near the tent. That was his quote. Mm -hmm. Many of the items of clothing found were noted to have been tested for radiation, an unusual test to have been asked for in the first place, which is weird. Mm -hmm. uh, this might prove that people knew that they came in contact with some... With some kind of weapon or energy source that gave off radiation. Yeah. Also, nobody really stopped to carefully examine all the footprints in the snow, but several searchers and eyewitnesses claimed that some of the footprints appeared to have a heel indicating that people wearing military boots were in the area during the incident. There were rumors that there was a secret military base near the pass, and there were reports of strange holes in the mountain that appeared to be cemented over, and many people have reported hearing strange sounds that sounded like a train running underground. So it's plausible that they were testing weaponry or rockets there that reminds me of skinwalker exactly <laughs> that's exactly what i thought <laughs> you know and furthermore there were the reports from geologists saying that on the night of the incident lights were observed in the sky and you know that came up with the ufo theory but it also could have been military weaponry so would that is the theory then that they had some kind of weapon that caused these injuries that yeah. you can't seem to explain yeah. or Kizilov Genady Ivanovich, a Russian journalist, proposed the stage crime scene theory. He believes that the Detlov Pass hikers witnessed some secret trials or experiments that no one was supposed to see and were deliberately silenced by military forces. He believes that a few days prior to the arrival of the search parties, quote, stage workers, unquote, were on the scene to prepare what was found by the rescuers. In order to avoid the disclosure of the secret facilities and to hide their crimes, the military and KGB removed the dead bodies from the real place of their death and brought them to the ridge they were found on. 
Some researchers say that to pitch the tent on the slope of the mountains when the trees were so close by was the mark of inexperienced climbers because it would have been exposed to the strongest of the winds in the area. They say the tent was pitched elsewhere but was then moved to the slope by people who wanted to cover up what actually happened. And a lot of the autopsies have reports that a lot of them have bruising, a lot of them have cuts, a lot of them almost appear to have been beaten. Hmm. So there's a lot of people that think... It's... But there's other people that say that the military were told that these people were going to be doing this. So they wouldn't have had anything weird going on in that area. You know, yeah. so, so some people think that they were purposely killed because they came across some kind of military test. And some people think that they were testing weapons that accidentally killed these people not intending to. Hmm. I don't know. I kind of buy this one. I mean, it, this one I could see happening. Like so much of it seems like strange that I could see them being killed in a different area and them purposely being moved to this other area where they were found with all these things that make no sense. Like they would have broken their chests after they were dead? Or they would have broken their chests while they were killing them. But but then you would think that... There'd be injuries, external yeah, injuries. There, there, some people theorized that uh, what happened was the KGB or the military or whoever wanted them dead but could not physically kill them because it would show on the body. So a lot of people think that the KGB came, forced them at gunpoint out of the tent, and the KGB cut their way out. The though? KGB went in the tent and they cut holes in the tent where they could watch them from inside the tent to make sure that they died outside the tent, apparently of natural causes. So it wouldn't seem suspicious. Hmm. That's one of the things that people think. I suppose I, I could see that. I mean, I kind of buy this one. I don't know what else makes sense. There's so much that doesn't make sense <laughs> about it. It's almost like people sense. people just threw this together yeah. and stuck it there. I'm looking at pictures. Okay. <laughs> I just feel like it's I could get the um the hypothermia, the dying from hypothermia yeah. and being afraid to go back to the tent and you're exposed to the elements and you're out there long enough and and after a while you're not thinking straight anymore and you'll get kind of all split up, whatever. Well, one of the theories that actually makes sense is that the people that died in the ravine were down in the ravine when the snow collapsed on the side of the ravine, coming down on top of them and crushing their chest. And then they crawled out? No, they didn't crawl out. They were found buried in the snow oh, they there. Were. Okay. So that actually kind of makes sense. Hmm. But I don't know. And those are the theories. I, I totally buy that they were killed somewhere else and then moved because that's the only thing that makes... Because there's so much that doesn't make sense that that's the only thing that makes sense right. is that this this scene was all thrown together. Hmm. I don't know. You know... Can you... Can altitude cause like delirium? Not for... I don't think they were at not that point. Not the entire point. group No, though. but I don't think they were at that point. And I think it would only... Have- fact a couple people not everybody in the group yeah although if one person started a couple people started freaking out and nobody knew what they were freaking out for yeah and there's there's just a ton of unanswered questions like uh the group that was gathered by the cedar tree they let the fire die down there while there was dry firewood laying around and they actually had cut off branches from the tree from lower on the tree 
the fire went out and those were still there and there were clothes scattered around, which makes like no that's sense. Hypothermia. It could be because I feel like your brain is now being deprived of oxygen and you're not thinking straight and people who are possibly, but you would think that the other people that were there with them would have taken over and, and worked on the fire. Yeah. Were they, you know, were they there with them? I believe so. Hmm. Uh, why were warm clothes, shoes, knives, flashlights, and other useful items left inside the tent? Right. Why did Zolotrev take his camera and his notepad when he left the tent in sub-zero temperatures, but no, no warm clothes or protective equipment? Right. That makes no sense. No. Why did Rustam Slobodin have a skull fracture consistent with blunt force trauma? And why did Zaneda Komagrova have a large bruise on her side that looked like it had been caused by a baton? Like she was beaten. Hmm. Well, to me, you're running through yeah. mountainous, wooded but area. You could in, easily in run into like a tree. knee, waist-deep snow. You're not going to run real fast. Yeah. Why was there a ski pole found in the tent with knife damage on it? Why would anyone damage the pole on purpose since That's they carried no extras with them? Right. Why were the hikers so underdressed? Even if they had been deep asleep in their tents before tragedy struck, you shouldn't be sleeping barefoot or just in your socks when the temperature inside the tent is still zero below right. zero degrees. Yeah. Uh, why that were many of them sense. found with unzipped or unbuttoned jackets? Why was Igor Detlov found laying on his back with his jacket unbuttoned and both of his hands clenched tightly and fists to his chest, his face covered with minor abrasions? I just saw that picture. Detlov was on his back. One hand appeared to be clinging to an undersized tree branch while his other hand appeared to be protecting his head from an unknown assailant. Yeah. Why was each body so drastically different in terms of their injuries? Why? Yeah, that's what's so weird about it. Yeah, I mean... I could see something startled them, whatever it is. Like, like but what startled them so bad that they had to run a mile crazy. away from the tree? Maybe. I mean, from the from the tent. Why well, did they I have thought, to run so far from the tent? Bigfoot. <laughs> I, you you I do you buy maybe, the Yeti theory? I kind of do because I feel like it's a possibility that it it exists. There's too many people around the world. The UFO the world. one, I don't. You know, we're unless you're in an episode of Doctor Who, you're not going to have UFOs shooting beams of, you know, laser beams willy-nilly around in a right. forest trying to kill you. That makes, I can, I understand UFO sightings, but not yeah. a lot of them have them shooting, right. you know, UFO, you shooting beams laser of, beams at you. Yeah. No, I don't know. But I, I, I can buy the military testing that the lights that people saw were military tests and these people were either accidentally killed by by whatever they were testing or they were killed on purpose because they stumbled across the, the testing and and the whole scene was moved to a whole different area i mean yeah sure i feel like that's equally as plausible as bigfoot you yeah. know what i mean but the, my, but, it, but then at the same time why would the tree branches have been broken up so high in the tree if the peep the two guys that were underneath it didn't didn't actually climb it you know, Weren't because their hands damaged. Yeah, like so I mean, it's like they the actually tree? climbed the tree, so maybe they couldn't have been moved from a different scene. So there's just that's why people are fascinated by this. It makes there's so much stuff that makes no right. There's sense. no theory that really fits everything. No, and there's nothing that explains all of it. No, hmm. I don't know. You know, I the one that it's I got to go with is <laughs> is the military testing because to me that one makes sense that they. Ended up in a place they shouldn't have been and something happened. Yeah. Hmm. Or delirium. But it doesn't explain their injuries. No. It's so missing 411. It's very missing 411 because there's Except so much. That we found them. <laughs> there's so much that makes that makes no sense whatsoever in this case. Especially like the half clothed. Maybe it's an orgy gone yeah. bad. That was that was what <laughs> that's what one of the uh That's somebody somebody on Reddit clothed. said that it was obvious that 
you know, they, they took their shrooms and they were having a weird Russian orgy in the tent and then a radioactive Yeti, <laughs> you know, busted into the 100%. tent. 100%. That's, so I don't know. I, I, the, I go with the military testing because that's the only one that really makes sense to me. Hmm. And even that is a stretch because that doesn't really make sense either. No, it doesn't. No. I, I, that's I, that's why I have a hard time with it. Nothing. It just doesn't. Like none of the theories it's really, really far fetched. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, but none of the theories really make sense. No, they don't. You know, it's frustrating. Yeah, their families must have just been yeah. beyond like yep. frustrated. And I will end this from a quote from Yuri Yudin, the one person that left. He was quoted as saying, "Quote." If I had a chance to ask God just one question, it would be what really happened to my friends that night. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I don't know. It's disturbing. Yeah. And like I said, the pictures, you know, when you see the Especially pictures. such a large group yeah, of people. Yeah, when you see the pictures of them happy and having fun and smiling, and right. then you see the next pictures you see are them dead in this weird unexplained way it's just really strange you always think safety in numbers i could see if this were like two or three people yeah but this is a lot of people yeah this is nine people that all died in you know two dead under the tree the three dead trying to apparently make their way back to the tent and the other four dead in the ravine from you know ruptured chest and skull injuries you know i did look at pictures of the tent and it does look like it was totally collapsed and covered yeah there's only little parts that, of it sticking that up. time it probably was because how much snow had fallen oh, on sure. the tent not necessarily an you avalanche. know yeah the avalanche theory i just don't know no an avalanche is so incredibly destructive i think their tent would have been long gone yeah they would and the have stuff been that was gone. propped up in the picture earlier pictures mm-hmm. would not have still been propped up in the I've pictures seen avalanches after their death. take out entire towns. Yep. I've seen this happen. Yep. Not in person, obviously. Hmm. So that's Debt Love Pass mystery. You know, I think there are so many things that could explain why they were half-clothed, why they ran out of the tent. That's easy. Something scared them. Something yeah, startled something them. Something scared them, or they were delusional for some reason. Maybe the water they were drinking was tainted. I mean, there's any number of reasons for that, but it doesn't explain... Some of the injuries, it doesn't explain just why they were all over the place. And yeah. I, I just feel like, I don't know. It do, the, the chest injuries are what really bother me. Yeah. So what do you guys think? easy. Uh, I'm going to put a, a poll up in the strangers. I'm really curious to see what, the theories? what theories you guys mm-hmm. kind of prefer. I, like I said, I go with military testing because that's the only one to me that makes a shred of sense, even though it doesn't make total sense. I still like the (laughs) because if I were in the tent in the middle of the night and something I heard some beast come out of nowhere I think my well maybe I'd want to stay inside the tent to be honest with you but if people started I think a Blair Witch when they start when have you seen um what is it again Creek something Creek Dawson's Creek (laughs) no um Bob what is his name I gotta look it up now Willow Creek no you have to watch it. Is it a phone footage? Yes, and it's a Bigfoot one. Is and it, good? it it is so good. Really? I think it's awesome. I've watched it a couple times. Bobcat Goldwaith produced it. Oh, I've seen that. Excellent. I yeah. think I've seen that. It's really good. Huh. Okay. I didn't know if that. If that happened to me in the middle of the night, something came up. I would want to run like hell too. Yeah. In a panic. The whole, I'd have the whole a fact on, that the, I don't the care. tent was cut from the inside is weird. Yeah. You're like, uh, why would they not just go out the door? That's what. That's why it had to have been a panic. Yeah. 
and why didn't they take their shoes and feel right because they were just like let's get out of here let's get like when you think of Blair Witch when they yeah when they all go yeah when they all go bolting out of the tent she's like my shoes aren't even tied and she's running and yeah I mean you're just trying to get out of there as fast as you can that was the creepiest scene in the movie to me is when they're all running out of the The yeah where you hear stuff in the woods Yeah. yeah And the, the idea of them kind of, you know, scattering and then trying to get back to each other. And that's what you do when something really scary happens yeah. and startles you. Yep. Trying to climb the tree to see if you can see it. That that all makes sense to me. And it explains, I feel like that could explain the injuries yeah. too. When I listened to the sofa Whatever King. was found those last people in the ravine and took care of them. Yep. The others died from hypothermia. When I listened to the Sofa King podcast episode about this, they basically, I think they kind of went with the stove idea. Oh, really? Yeah. But doesn't explain the injuries though, or why they went a mile away from the pen. <laughs> right? You know how many times I've like started our oven full of smoke and we've just had to open a window. Yeah. I didn't yep. like yeah. kick my way through a window and run a mile away. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Especially if there was no fire. Yeah. Smoke yep. is one thing. Fire is a completely yeah. different story. But like story. You, like we said, you would just hang around outside the tent until it was gone, and then you would just repair the tent and go back to bed. I think smoke, too, is incredibly invasive. They would have smelled that. Yeah. The, but like the, the mile distance it, that they went away, that's a long way to go away from the tent. A snowstorm. Yeah. So something... Really this is up there with the this is up there with Maura Murray that I kind of wish I knew what happened here okay, because do. this is just weird. Nobody knows. No, it's, and nobody's gonna ever going to know. So, damn it! Let us know what you guys think. By this time, I will have the poll up in the group. So let us know what theory is your favorite, or if you have any other theories. Yeah. But this Yuri Yudin, I kind of you know, I mean, he had to live with this knowing that he turned back. You know, He's probably dead by now, huh? He is. He died. Uh, he died Let's a couple. Ye- he died a couple years ago, and they have a shrine to him okay. somewhere. Interesting. But uh, yeah, there's. I bet t- he's so glad he turned back. Yeah, but no, but he's also like like that quote says he wants to know what happened. He's he probably got survivor's guilt. He probably does. I I I probably would. Mm-hmm. You know. Hmm. So yeah, that's that. Right. Detlof Pass. Enjoy your camping. I knew very little about it. I knew like some really basic things. It's much more twisted. And you know, as far as uh, the girl with her tongue ripped out, mm-hmm. they said an animal could have done that because that's a Found soft, fleshy part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, noses. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, what, that's, that's that shows up a lot of times as a weird thing, but it's kind of. It's what animals go for, though. Yeah. They start with your nose and your yep. ears, the things that are easy to, yeah. They go for the fleshy, dangly bits. <laughs> Just like Krista. <laughs> um, yeah, so let us know what you guys think. Yeah. All right, now we are going to get to the bat person story that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Bat person, all right. This was written in the Singular Fortean website, April 29th, 2018, by Tobias Wayland, who we want to have on the show. So, hey, Tobias. Awesome article, by the way. So, this is the person's account of what happened to them in April of 2017. this is somebody that he interviewed? Yes. Okay. And he's been covering this for like a long time. Okay. April? This one is kind of creepy, too. April, you said? In mid-April of last year, which would have been 2017. Oh, okay. I was sitting inside my car, which was parked facing north in the driveway at my home, located between Eagle Palmyra and McGuanago, Wisconsin. I know exactly where those places are. I don't have are. any idea. I lived just out of McGuanago for a little while. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, I had been having an extended phone conversation with an old friend on the way home and had not gone inside my house yet and remember looking at the clock at approximately 10.45 p.m. It had been a dreary, overcast, misty, rainy day. 
One of those days where it just drizzled nonstop but never turned into an outright heavy downpour. I know exactly what he's talking yeah. about. Ugh, While worst. shooting the breeze about the day's events with my friend on the phone, I looked up briefly from the dash of my vehicle, a minivan, and momentarily noticed someone who was very, very tall and very dark just standing in the rain about 5 to 10 feet at most in front of my vehicle, perfectly still with raindrops dripping down off their body. It was rather dark, but there was a post lamp at the end of the driveway near the road, about 40 to 50 feet from where I was parked, so I could make out the silhouette with a slight bit of backlighting from the lamp. As I had been in mid-conversation, I looked away for one second, my brain not immediately registering or comprehending what I had just seen, so within about a second and a half, I did a double take, and I suddenly thought, wait a minute, what the hell was that? As I forcibly directed my gaze back towards the front of the vehicle, I said to my friend on the phone, you're not going to believe this. And I proceeded to quickly turn on my headlights and stare at this thing as I gave a concise yet detailed as possible description to my buddy while I was literally shaking and scared so out of my just wits. stood there? I was looking at a creature, for lack of a better term, that essentially looked like a seven foot tall bat slash reptile of some sort. The head was at the level of the roof of my minivan, or slightly more elevated than my roof, and it was standing perfectly still, just staring right at me. Its eyes were large, taking up a significant portion of the thing's head, from what I could make out, and although they were dark, although they were dark like large black eyeballs, there was a glint of reflection in them which allowed me to discern what they were, in fact, definitely its eyes. It was haunting, for the lack of a better way to put it. I'm actually getting creeped out just recalling the memory of the event. I also noticed that beside the creature's height, it was also quite large, possessing extraordinary swarthy coloration, though slightly reflective, like skin or scales of some kind. Not feather, not fur, covered from what I could tell. It was at least as wide as a very large man, but did not seem stocky, and I stared at it uncomfortably. I realized that it actually had huge wings, but they were wrapped around its body, exactly as a bat wraps its wings around its body while sleeping upside down, except this thing was standing right side up, looking straight at me or almost through me, and definitely seemed ominous. That's creepy. <laughs> my initial reaction was to tell my buddy on the phone that I was looking right at a giant bat dragon looking thing, to which he asked if I had been drinking or something, and I assured him that this thing was really standing there and I was staring right at it. The bottom of its face was completely covered by its fleshy-looking wings wrapped around its body, and I could tell that whatever it was, it was physically powerful, as the rather wide shoulder area seemed to show some manner of musculature. The way it was standing there, it seems to have likely been a general humanoid body shape under the wrapped wings. I could not see its feet since it was standing too close to the vehicle, nor could I see anything below what I imagine would be considered knee level on the creature. Wait, That's wait, how wait, close wait. it was. How, so how many feet away was it allegedly standing? I don't remember, but he was looking through his his front window and couldn't see it couldn't see its its knees or feet because it was standing it had to be really close it was pretty close okay i have a couple problems with this story that's how close it was i was very afraid as soon as i had given my friend on the phone a description of what i was seeing i noticed that it seemed to very quickly move although i did not see it unwrap its ring unwrap its wings or walk but there was simply what i'll describe as a brief blur in the headlights and then it was gone the entire time of observation before it vanished was realistically only about 12 seconds, but considering the uneasy, wayward way that thing was leering at me, even that was too long. Now, being on the verge of panicking, my friend who was still on the line attempted to make light of the situation, and although I was appreciative of his friendly candor, I got out my trusty LED emergency flashlight from the glove box and told him that I was not about to consider sitting out there any longer, and was retiring to the house for the night. The remainder of that evening was uncomfortable but uneventful. 
I mentioned the experience to one other friend, a work associate who has a lifelong interest in unusual subject matter, but I otherwise kept it to myself for fear of ridicule and also because the experience, albeit brief, came across as more than just the sighting of a rare animal or cryptozoological remnant of some archaic species long since extinct, but seemed to be something else entirely of a different nature. Even more unsettling was that about a week or two weeks later, the same buddy I had been speaking with the night of the experience called me to inquire if I had watched or heard the news the previous evening. I informed him that I had not. After having initially assumed that I had gone completely out of my mind for well over a week, he informed me that my sanity had been vindicated. Numerous accounts with the same creature had been recently reported in Chicago and northern Illinois in largely populated areas. To date, I have not had any further visits from the creature. And Tobias went there, and he said the guy's story was always consistent. So he he thinks that the guy was telling the truth. Sure. So that's the story of... Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. The What I think is strange is usually... Don't people say this thing is huge? Like seven, eight feet tall, right? He said it was... His head was as tall as his minivan. But that's pretty I can, tall. I can look over a minivan. Yeah, but maybe he had a higher. Toes. Maybe he had a higher minivan. I feel like that should have been. It sounds like clarified. this one was tall-ish, but it doesn't sound like it was eight sound feet like it tall. It was just a normal like. You sound like you're the same size as this thing. Yeah, but I don't have wings wrapped around my <laughs> well, body. No, 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 no. I'm saying. I'm just saying. It, it, I expected it to be. All the accounts make this thing sound huge. So that's one are you thing. talking about the normal Mothman? Yeah, all yeah, the this one doesn't. This one sounds smaller than a normal. Thing is weird too. I've never yeah, heard that before. This one sounds smaller than a normal, but it, it sounds like a Mothman sighting with the sure. wings. The second thing, of course, is this was last year. You probably had a smartphone. You had enough presence of mind to turn on your headlights and describe this thing in full detail your, to your friend. It never occurred to you to take a photo. That's a, that's, that's <laughs> a good point. I, mean? I don't know. I don't know if. I, and why I don't, did the friend say, dude, take a photo? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's a good question because I don't know if I would have had the presence of mind. You know, I'd be busy I peeing would've. in my pants that I don't know. If, if I had enough presence of mind, though, to actually sit there and describe it and explain to my friend, I feel like, you, yeah, I feel like you could have taken a photo. It just always astounds me that nobody takes a photo. I think in, I think in the moment, you're not going to first think of taking a photo. I think you're going to be like, what the hell? I get that. But it sounds like he sat there for a while. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I just, that, that always bothers me. Yeah. Like nobody came up with the idea, let's take a photo of this yeah. thing. No, I, I agree with that. But I, I can kind of see that being in that moment, you're not going to be real rational with your thinking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Maguanago is, so my husband works in Muskego a lot and it's not that far from there. I think it's like Waukesha County. If you know where that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it, it is Southern, sort of Southern central Wisconsin, not too far from the Illinois border. So it kind of makes sense because yeah. all of those sightings in Northern Illinois and Chicago. Yeah. That's so I don't know. I mean, I, it's the first Tobias sighting buys his story and I kind of buy the story. Yeah, it's it's interesting that someone who's researching it actually went and interviewed the guy in person. I think you'd be looking for signs of deception or inconsistencies in the story. So yeah, it's cool that he said that. You know, his yeah. story never changed. Yeah, and yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. So yeah, that was the interesting story that Barry sent to us. All right. Well, thanks, Barry. Thanks, Barry, and thank you, Tobias, for writing the article. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we really need to get that guy on here. I know he's local-ish. I we know. Could totally. I know. I know. I know. 
need to get you on your bias. Yeah. And now it's time for our listener question. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, promise me if you have a Mothman sighting, you'll have the presence of mind to take a photo. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd like to think I would because I think people like us would, though, because we're ghost yeah. hunters. Plus, I take pictures. I take selfies <laughs> like a 12-year-old girl, so I'm, I'm used to, But I just you know, feel like we're, we have that sort of thought process or instinct yeah, that, that we something want, weird uh, we happens, want we proof. want a photo. Yeah. Tonight's question is... Is it a long one? No, but it's another deep one. Oh, boy. If you were given an envelope with the time and date of your death inside, would you open it? No. Because it's all you would think about for the rest of your life, no matter how long or short Yeah, but you would also know that you would be safe until that point. What if it's two weeks from now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, then you have time to... Mm. I don't know. I I mean, I I really don't know. I wouldn't. I would like. As, okay. Here, here. You said you haven't been feeling good for a long time, but no, you I won't haven't. go to the doctor because you don't want to know what's wrong with you. <laughs> oh, whatever. But don't you want to know use, when you're going to die. Don't use logic on me. <laughs> it's true. What am I thinking? <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to know. I'm somebody who really try. I really do try to live it's in the moment. That's actually a really good point <laughs> when you. you said. Thank you. I'm here trying to take the side that, yeah, I would, but yet I won't no, go to wouldn't. the doctor to figure out why I'm constantly <laughs> tired. Um. I'm somebody who really tries to live in the moment. It's not an easy thing to do, but I feel like that would just rip you out of the moment then. It's not an For easy. Me, it's, it it's, would. it's harder to live in the moment these days with the constant bombardment of stuff on your phone mm-hmm. and, and the constant information coming from everywhere. Yeah, it's true. So, wow. I don't know. I wanted to say I would look at it, but ever since no. you said that, I don't but I would, I would want... If I if it said that I'm gonna die next Tuesday, I would like to be able to get my stuff in order and say goodbye to people, mm-hmm. you know. But then, what if like it were you said, ten you, years from now, though. yeah. You do, but do you wanna? Suddenly, ten years seems like nothing. Yeah, not enough. Yeah. And I right now, ten years feels like forever. If you found out you were gonna die in ten years, though, you would think, oh my god, I don't have enough time. I want to say I would, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. Mm-mm. Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> Thank you, question asker. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, we only have time for one question. Yeah, we do only have time for one question. <laughs> so like that's good because and... we only have a couple left. So yeah. ask yeah. some questions, you guys. Yeah, maybe I'll ask one. I'm, maybe I'll ask one. <laughs> wow, yeah. yeah that, that your little one. logic thing on me was like, wow. That, it's like I know you or yeah. something. Yep. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be thinking about that question. I'll be up tonight thinking about that question laying yeah, in bed. Right? So thank you for the question, the very deep question. Mm-hmm. You know, I like when deep. we have a deep question, then we have, would you rather wear wet socks or have a popcorn kernel in your <laughs> Me teeth? Me too, because those are fun. <laughs> yeah, this one was, yeah, I, like I said, I think I, I want to say I would, but I don't think I would. Nope. And Krista definitely wouldn't. You'd probably stare at that envelope every day. Oh, I would burn it. If I didn't want to look at it, it, you'd have to get rid of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> hey, listeners, what would you do? Yeah. Let us know. Maybe we'll post the question on the strangers so that people can actually respond. Yeah. That's actually a cool. That's a good question. That is a very good question. Yeah. And very deep and a good one to end the episode on. Cool. So let us know what you think. Uh, rate us on iTunes. That'd be awesome. Uh, keep 
posting. You guys are great at posting stuff in the strangers group. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. And we will keep you updated on any weird activity here at the school. And it's yeah. just strange because Chris and I were talking when we were walking in about how nothing seems to happen now. And then tonight, Krista just got the crap scared out of her by the refrigerator coming on. Oh, my God. So we're really not jumpy. We're really not that jumpy that we jump at everything. But there were a lot of strange voices and noises in here tonight. I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't either. So. place is haunted as hell. It is. It is scary. (laughs) What? Guy cutting his lawn over there. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. So. It's riveting audio. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. Yeah. And until next time, (laughs) (laughs) stay Stay strange. strange. This has been an old school media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.